So when I first got to Nashville, I went to a jazz, I went, got here on a Monday. I was looking for a place all the week and I said, all right, I'm going to go to a jazz jam on a Sunday. And by the next or that Thursday after that, I was already gigging and I was working. And so I'm like, well, this town's got a lot of work, you know, and then I met the people and the culture of this place and I was just enamored by it. Warning. This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru Saying Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is James Tyler Yeager. If you haven't heard Tyler play yet, well, just give it a little while and I guarantee you will. After 10 years of honing his craft in military bands, Tyler has returned to civilian life in Nashville and has rapidly become a highly sought after player for sessions and road gigs alike. And as part of the new supergroup, Benny and the Hitmen, Tyler's high caliber style of playing will be lighting up stages and blowing up on social media before you can even blink. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. And welcome uh, to a new episode of the Trumpet Guru's Hang, and I'm hanging with my good friend from years ago, uh, Mr. James Tyler Yeager. Mr. Yeager, what's shaking? Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. I know it's been a while, and uh, gosh, we've been planning on this for about a year, so sorry it's taken so long, but we're all caught up now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's been crazy, you know, uh, just between the, you know, the, the stupidness of COVID uh, and then everything else, you know, and, and as things have, have started to open up and people start getting busy, it's it's uh, it's nuts, man. But it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's just kind of get caught up because you know, we were just talking you know, before we started. It's probably been about four years since we've seen each other. And, yeah. um, you know, we certainly have had some some fun times in person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's an understatement <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know lots a lot has changed for you uh since the last time we actually had a chance to, to do a physical hang so you uh you've made a transition from your military career back into civilian life so uh what's that what's that been like for you yeah well you know i had um it's been an interesting transition you know because you think you know i did that for 10 years so i joined the army when i was 18 uh, and I kind of had a different approach to the way I wanted to learn how to play. Um, you know, a lot of people go to college and get their undergrads or master's or doctorate. Um, and I, that wasn't something that was in the cards for me. That wasn't, I was not what you would call an academic uh, graced student. Uh, and so I had a hard time just graduating high school. And my dad said, listen, man, you know, you're doing, I was doing really well when I was younger. He says, I think you should just join the service bands and, you know, get on your feet that way mm -hmm. and try to figure it out. And so about three or four years ago, you know, we, I said, okay, the next one that next place I go, that's going to be it. That's going to be, we're going to be done and we're going to, you know, try to make it work. And it so happened that they put me in Nashville. Well, just a little bit North of Nashville, but I said, perfect. That's it. We're going to figure it out from here. And uh, it's been a great, other than COVID, it's been great. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So you, you joined up at 18 and, and you've, you've played with a few different bands, uh, 
in in that period of time. So, I mean, overall, what what was your experience like in terms of uh, you know what what you learned and and what you got from all that that work? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it was a pretty good experience. You know, for me, I had a really interesting situation where you know, I mean, I started off my first band was in Savannah, Georgia, and so I went there, and I was only there for two years technically, but a year of that was overseas in uh, Afghanistan. And so uh, over there, I got to learn how to, you know, like, okay, what does a trumpet sound like? You know, I got time to focus in on what that is. Uh, And then when I got back, trumpet teacher of mine, when I was a kid said, listen, you need to be studying with people all over the United States, everywhere you get to go. So I got to hook up with lessons from all kinds of people and just, you know, do that. And then when I got to uh, Virginia, where that's where we met, when I was in that band, I, I got to run a big band. And so here I am, you know, at 22, running a big band, you know, and yeah. figuring out how that all works, you know, and so that mostly positive. I mean, there's your pros and cons to everything, oh, yeah. you know, but I looked at it as an opportunity. I've got a solid paycheck right now to where I can figure out what I want to do. Um, and so I would say it's a good thing. I mean, a lot of people you'll hear will either have horror stories or great stories, you yeah. know, and it, Obviously, the DC bands are going to be completely different than what I did with the line bands, but you really get a good grasp on if you want to play the trumpet for a living or not uh, through the Army. And so, you know, luckily for me, I knew I wanted to, and so I just had to figure out the next steps for everything. Yeah. So what, uh, you know, what made you decide to make the transition that that you've made into uh, the Nashville scene? Um, Well, you know, I... As most people would probably, if they've met me, wouldn't think I'm a military kind of guy. And so, uh, you know, which is, you know, I laugh at that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, when I got to Nashville, I mean, within the first four months, I would even, I wouldn't even say four months. When I first got to Nashville, I went to a jazz, I got here on a Monday. I was looking for a place all the week and I said, all right, I'm going to go to a jazz jam on a Sunday. And by the next or that Thursday after that, I was already gigging. And I was working. And so I'm like, well, this town's got a lot of work, you know. And then I met the people and the culture of this place. And I was just enamored by it. And just the amount of love and support. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of the people here. Um, is very enriched with its own style and its own sound. And when I hear a lot of the Nashville trumpet players playing, uh, you know, I love that sound. That big, bright, aggressive kind of approach. And so I, I said, well. I really like this and the work is great. And my wife, we really love the area. And so I said, let's do this. Let's just stay here for a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. So, so did you, you uh, opt out of the, of the military and you, you're just a civilian now or. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I did, you know, the 10 year mark. And uh, so I stayed, this is uh, kind of interesting. I stayed at a certain rank. And so they have this thing where, you know, you can only do a certain amount of time as one particular rank before you have to rank up. Well, I knew I didn't want to rank up. And so I stayed as an E4 for 10 years. And that's one of the running jokes with me and Rob is that, you know, I'm, I started in the Army as an E4. I'm going to finish my time in the Army as an E4. And, uh, you know, that gave me certain benefits on the back end, you know, with health insurance and severance packages and stuff. So I knew I'd be comfortable through all of that. And then I had some medical things too, that made me just kind of want to get off of doing 
active duty and I wasn't interested in doing the National Guard or doing any of that. But yeah, I just kind of opted out basically. Yeah. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. And rightfully, I mean, for what I'm doing nowadays, you know, I get a call two weeks before a, a week long tour, you know, or a two week tour, or three week tour. And, you know, so I don't have enough time to tell a National Guard person, hey, I can't make it into, you know, this weekend. You know, that doesn't really fly very well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Exactly. Yeah, so I said for my life and what I'm wanting to do and for me and my wife, I said, let's just go ahead and cut the ties and yeah. be done with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's great because, you know, I know a lot of guys that, you know, you, they think about the military band route and, and I, I really love your approach to it. It's like, you know, you could, you could go to college and pay a lot of money to learn to play, hopefully, yeah. or you can go and you can get paid to learn how to play. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. But, you know, there, there is certainly that mindset that you have to have to, to do the time in the military. And, uh, you know, some of those guys, you know, have become lifers, especially like the DC guys, you know, that's, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think with that, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, uh, but those DC jobs, those are some of the best jobs in the world. And those are some of the greatest players in the world. I mean, you look at uh, Graham Breed, the Army Blues trumpet section for a great example. Holy yeah. cow, man. And you I mean, that just swings harder than anything you've ever heard in your life. Same yeah. with the Airmen and Note, same with the Ambassadors, same with the Commodores. I mean, those guys are great and they yeah. play, you know. Like they've been studying that thing for a while, but for the guy that's just not there yet, you know, for the guy trying to figure it out, uh, I mean, you have another option and it doesn't have to be the army. I mean, it'd be the Navy, it'd be the Air Force. Well, the Air Force band, they're a little bit tighter, but uh, Marine Corps is its own interesting thing. Um, but there's options there that I think a lot of people forget about that, you know, it just it's just helping you with that next step. Even if you've done your master's and undergrad, both of those or your doctorate, and you still ain't figured it out. There's you a guaranteed fifty thousand dollars a year. You yeah, know? yeah. And so I mean, I know with uh, freelancing, it's tough. You know, I mean, it's what you make of it. But it's the same thing with the service bands. It's just what you make of it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it certainly is nice to have uh, have those bennies, You know, on the back. Oh yes. Well, when you're, you know, I, like I said, when my wife has to go have a surgery or something like that, you're not paying for anything. Yeah. You know, or you, 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 you know, when the world shuts down, you're still getting a paycheck. Yep. You know, exactly. I mean, there are a lot of benefits to it. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, you, you, you do definitely for that longevity, you do need to have that kind of mindset. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of long-term thinking, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's like they say, the first seven years are the toughest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was big. I'm right about that seven year mark. That's when you figure out if this is going to be your full time thing or. Yeah. 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 Well, at least, it, you know, like you, you, you accomplished what your primary goal was, which was, mm -hmm. to, you know, to kind of feel out things, uh, first see if, if trumpet, you know, a, a career, a lifelong career in trumpet is really what you wanted. And uh, then to actually, you know, kind of get, you know, earn your bones, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it looks like it was a great, great opportunity for you. So, uh, now, now that you're down in Nashville, you know, we're, we're talking about that. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people for years, you know, they just thought about Nashville as like country music, mm -hmm. you know, country music USA. And, uh, granted, you know, it, it is certainly the country music capital, oh, but yeah. there is so much more going on there. And, uh, there are so many, 
I, you know, I had no idea how many great trumpet players were down there until just the past couple of years. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what's the scene like down there? Well, I mean, goodness, this is um, Nashville surprised me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've looked at living in New York. I looked at living in L.A. And you, the first thing you think of is the price tag of yeah. living there. You know, and it's just so expensive to live in New York. And I am uh, not claustrophobic, but I, I like square feet. I like to be able to have some room. And living in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn for $5,000 a month did not sound very appeasing to me. Right. And so when I got here and saw that, you know, you can get just as much work and you could live at a third of the price than living in New York or L.A., I was hooked. And then, you know, the, the just the richness of the culture down here. I mean, you got guys, trombone player, I'm sure you heard of, Roy Agee, was in Prince's band. Yeah. You know, when he did that huge horn section. Uh, Vinny Krzyzewski's here, who's, you know, like my dad. You know, he's turned into like my trumpet dad, which we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. Steve Patrick, um, Jeff Bailey, who plays principal trumpet for the, the symphony here. I mean, they've got every, they've got a beautiful symphony orchestra. They do a ton of the video game recordings now. I mean, a lot of video games are done here. And so, I mean, there's just so much going on other than country music. Now, there's a lot of country music going on while we're here. I mean, that's when I, I was out last week with a guy named Jamie Johnson. And uh, that's some country music right there. Every one of those boys had a little bit of a draw to them when they were talking. And so, but it's the best country music you ever heard. It's not, you know, these are the guys that recorded the original. So it's pretty cool to have that aspect. But the jazz culture is really getting enriched here with just a lot of different groups. Uh, the funk and R&B, I had no clue how much was down here. Um, the gospel scene, um, it's just humongous how much music is here. And it kind of blew me away because I was just thinking I'd be playing a lot of Chicken Shack, you know, yeah. you know, in the key of G all right. night long. But, you know, as I've probably done every genre you could possibly think of here you know, in a recording in live situation and a road situation. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, it, it, it's like the area that I live in here in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, hour and 45 minutes uh, from Philadelphia, uh, about the same from Baltimore, you know, two hours, from, two hours this from DC. I can be in New York. If I take a train, I can be in New York and, you know, an hour and a half. Uh, oh, okay. That. So it's, it's, and I'm seeing a lot of people who have moved to this area from the metro areas simply because it's cheaper. You yeah. know, you, you can buy, you can buy a house, you, you could buy a, a, a four bedroom house, you know, for, you know, a brand new one for $250,000, yeah. that, you know, for that amount of money, you'd be, you, you know, you'd be living in a shack. And, in a condo. Yeah. Well, so you we know, did yeah. the same thing. You know, I live about 45 minutes outside town and I got rid of the Hummer a while ago and got a Prius. Uh -huh. I said, you know, if we're going to do this, you know, we got to be a little bit smarter about this. And so I got a Prius and I have no problem driving into the city because I'm on the north side of town. So it traffic's not as bad up here. Right. And uh, yeah, most of the time I can get into the city about 35, 40 minutes depending on where in the city if it is. It's on Southside Town. It takes me a little bit longer. But it's for me to get to Rob's place, it takes me 38 minutes. 
you know, and Rob lives right in the center of downtown. Like he lives right there in Germantown. Yeah. Um, and so I love it, you know, and like you said, I got, you know, a 2,700 square foot house for a third of what it would cost if I had to buy it in Nashville proper. And I can't even imagine, I don't even think they sell anything like this in Los Angeles or, LA or New York or anything like yeah. that. So, yeah. And if, and if you're in LA or New York, you know, you can count on a, a 30, 30 minute to an hour commute, regardless of where you live. Oh, I mean, on the train. Yeah. Just going on the train. Yeah. Yeah, it don't matter. And, yeah. you know, I can't be driving my Prius in the, you know, I could drive my Prius in the city, but it cost me $50 a day to park that thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah no. And, and, you know, I mean, not just the surrounding benefits of Nashville. I'm a big nature guy too. I like to have, you know, trees around me. I like to have just, you know, hiking abilities and things like that to where I can get around and just be out in the wilderness. And here you can go 15, 20 minutes any direction and you can be in some kind of beautiful natural just area yeah and so that was a big thing for me to have you know to bring the the zen in and be able to just kind of relax yeah yeah well being that florida boy I, you know i certainly yeah. you can take me out of florida but you can't take the florida out of me flip-flops all year round and, uh -huh. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know so speaking of florida you know uh growing up down there uh you yeah you you made quite a name for yourself as a young young man i mean you're still a young man Yep. You know, well, well, we'll even talk about that still young man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you're, um, you know, when you were down there, you you had a, a chance to to really work with some 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 great cats and uh, be influenced by some great players. So uh, let's kind of talk about the you know your your start, the the young Tyler Yeager, and yeah, uh, you know, kind of the things that kind of got you going on the direction that that you're on right now. Yeah, uh, well, I guess we'll start with kind of the beginning of it. Um, my So my whole family was musicians. I'm like the fourth generation musician. Uh, my great-grandmother was a vocal coach, and she voted this around the 1900s, early 1900s to 1930s, 40s, uh, and probably later than that. But she was a vocal coach in the Charlotte area. And she, you know, that's where my grandmother was from. And my grandmother was the first percussionist for the Charlotte, or the first female percussionist for the Charlotte Symphony. Oh, wow. That's, so that, you know, it's a little strange. My dad tells me about that. But then my dad uh, was a singer and a drummer. And so, you know, we didn't really have any options of if we were going to play an instrument. It was what instrument were we going to play. Gotcha. And my brother was a drummer, and I just couldn't stand, I couldn't even think about drums. I just said, I just don't want to do this. And my dad had me doing singing and violin and Nothing was really sticking. It was just all horrible. I mean, my uh, uncle was a violinist and he, you know, showed me a few things. He said, you know, you might want to think about just doing something else. And I said, <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. And so um, when I was a kid, my dad had these old VHS tapes of his band back in the early 80s. And they, there was this guy by the name of Tom Fox. Um, and if anybody wants to check him out, there's a clip on my Facebook about him. Uh, he did the theme to Star Trek, the Maynard version, and it was this band of like five guys and 55 instruments. So the B3 players playing bass trumpet, dad's playing drums and flugelhorn at the same time. This guy's playing, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so he would play this and I was just enamored by the sound of it. It was just this humongous sound. And I'm like, well, all right, that's what, you know, that's what a trumpet's supposed to sound like. So that's what I'll play. Uh, and then when I was younger, my dad, you know, he just always had Tower of Power, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago, 
you know, so that's all I ever heard. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was up to my sophomore year of high school that I thought a trumpet was only supposed to do that. I didn't know about symphony stuff or, you know, I knew a little bit about jazz, but I thought it was supposed to be this mannered kind of thing. You know, everybody's supposed to play like this. And so when I got to sixth grade, um, you know, I started playing and, you know, I, I really enjoyed it because I was not coordinated. I was short with big feet. And I was not the most attractive guy in the world. So, and I was introverted, extremely introverted. And so I said, well, this thing gets me a little bit more attention. So, I mean, yeah, this is, this is great. And uh, talk about being in an area where you can get some trumpet, you know, inspiration. Orlando is another town where people just have no clue about players. I mean, at that time, Chad was down there, Chad Schumann, Mark Zaus, um, there's a couple guys that I'll mention here in a minute, uh, but the area was just enriched with so many players. And we had, you know, Terry's down there. And so you have everything you could possibly want for a trumpet. Right. And so by about um, my freshman year of high school, I was starting to get to a point where I just, you know, needed some help. And so we were not, uh, we were not uh, upper class or lower class. We were definitely middle class, but we didn't have a lot of money for lessons and stuff. So my uncle, um, he had a, he has a huge company down there and he, one of his employees played trumpet. And so my uncle bought trumpet lessons for me for six months. Wasn't really going very well. Uh, and I just didn't really click with him. Uh, he was a very soft approach kind of person. And, mm -hmm. uh, for me as a young man, I needed a little bit more, you know, slapping around and making sure I was on track. Right. And so my mom made me do the church orchestra, and there was a trumpet player there by the name of Bob Franklin, which is not a household name, but Bob Franklin was the original band leader of the Future Corps. Oh, okay. Disney. So that was, he was the original guy, and he would just get after me like nobody's business. And, uh, you know, he'd take me to Terry's. He took me to Terry's the first time I, you know, went there. Uh, and he said, hey, man, you know, this is how a trumpet's supposed to sound. You know, this is what a trumpet's supposed to be. And I mean, it was nothing for him to cuss me out on a Sunday morning in a church service for making wrong notes. Like it was nothing. And I got used to it and I loved it. And I, it was, you know, I said, okay, if he doesn't cuss at me as much this Sunday, I'm making progress. And that's what I thought in my mind for years. I thought that. And, uh, you know, he was just one of the greatest inspirations to me just because he had this gorgeous sound. I mean, you can ask Frank Green about him, Bob Franklin. And we did a tour not too long ago together where it was Frank, me, uh, Bob, and then the other trumpet influence I had by the name of Charlie Bertini. who's another Orlando cat. And Charlie is, is the goat. Like, that is the guy. I mean, you hear him play lead trumpet. It's, there's nobody that does it better. You can just swing so hard and style is so perfect. So for me, I'm hearing this stuff and I'm going – all right, well, this is what a trumpet's supposed to sound like, you know, all right, this is what it is. And I just grew from there. You know, I mean, my, uh, I had some great band directors. My first band director was a, a drummer, so time was really influenced in me. And then the other band director was a trumpet player, you know, and so I got the best of both worlds, you yeah. know. And so my time in Florida was great. You know, I had a lot of great opportunities while I was there. You know, those guys really helped me literally, you know, graduate high school and get into a career path, um, you know, and it's they're great human beings. Yeah. So. 
Well, I mean, it, like you're saying, you know, there there are so many great players, um, and there's are these these little pockets where mm-hmm. where there's so many great players, but they may not be household names. You know, yeah. they're, they're not in the the high profile gigs, but you know, they're they're grinding it out and they're doing tremendous stuff. And it's it seems to me that that you you're kind of blessed in so many ways with uh, being in a position where you have all of these really powerful and positive influences on you and to help you to move forward. Now, that's not saying that you didn't work because, you know, there are a lot of people that have, you know, better situations than you have and, and they don't make anything of it, but you were able to take those things and you were able to leverage them. It helped to create the the career path that you are on right now. And, uh, you know, it seems to me that like right now where you are in Nashville is, affording you an opportunity, you know, to, to take your game to the next level because of some of the guys that you're around with down there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, about some of the, the cats that you're working with down there and, and some of the influence. I mean, because, well, I'll, I'll just go ahead and start like uh, Benny Chichowski, you know, yeah. I actually you, you and Rob are responsible for me getting hip to Vinny. I, I had heard Vinny playing before, never knew who it was, mm-hmm. but then I was able to go back and go, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, getting to know him and, you know, he's such a, such an awesome guy. Uh, and he has nothing but absolutely glowing things to say about you uh, as a player and as a person. And, you know, coming from, from Vinny, that's, you know, some high praise. So it seems like you've been able to get down there and, immediately tap into the resources there uh, and, you know, gain people's respect and, and gain their support. So, you know, who, who are some of the guys down there that right now are kind of key in, in your development and, uh, you know, what you have, what do you have next on your plate in terms of playing in Nashville? Yeah. Um, well, with Vinny, uh, I'll do a, real small brief thing on that first. Uh, I remember hearing Vinny for the first time. It was 10 years before that. And I was in the desert and somebody got me hip to a Here Come the Mummies record. And I heard this trumpet and I was like, oh my gosh, man, this guy is tearing a new asshole into somebody. This is unbelievable. You know, and I heard that and I never knew who it was. And then when I finally got to town, I figured it, I put the pieces together. Um, and when I got here, I was getting off of a road gig and I was having some chop problems. And so I called him and, or I, I messaged him on Facebook and I said, hi, my name is such and such. I just moved to town, you know, like total new guy kind of thing. I said, I'd like to pay for a lesson, you know? And he says, he's, he gave me his number, said, give me a call. That was all it said. And then I, so I immediately call him, you know, I almost thought of it like a schoolgirl crush. Should I wait three days after I get the phone? Yeah. <laughs> And so I, you know, I call him and I said, hi, this is Tyler. Two o'clock, my house, see you there tomorrow in a session. You know, that was it. I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, all right, sounds good. He sent me his address. And we went over there and for we sat there for two and a half hours. This is when he was still living in Franklin. And uh, we sat there and we talked and just, you know, got to know each other. And three years later, you know, here we are now where, you know, literally I think of him as like one of my dads, you know, cause I'll call him for anything, for life advice, for trumpet advice, uh, you know, this new band, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, and really, you know, just get grounded perspective, you know, cause I have my idea of how something should go, but that's not going to be everybody's idea. 
So to have the one person you trust that you can go, hey, what do you think about this? You know, is this too much? Is this too little? Is this, you know, you know, not with money, but with life, you know? Yeah. And he'll just give you grounded advice. And, you know, he's nothing. I mean, and you talk about somebody that has a reason to be pissed off. You know, I mean, uh, with everything that's going on, you know, he's got every reason to be mad and salty and crusty. But he's just not, every time I talk to him, it's just the nicest human being in the world. And yeah. he's a fantastic trumpet player. Like, yeah. uh, lights out player uh so that you know made me realize that wow you don't have to be a jerk and you can be a great trumpet player this is great you know i'm glad to see that this exists but uh with the players around here when i got here you know i lived in virginia for a while uh lived in some different places and there was great players all around but i had never heard freakishly good players a lot of them in one place it was like every gig i was going to i was meeting the guy that would just make you cry you know, with how good they were yeah. on saxophone and trombone. And then you come to find out they're amazing human beings and they're great people to be around. And so, uh, you know, I was playing a lot of pickup band gigs. I was playing a lot of different gigs where, you know, corporate stuff. And I still do that to this day. You know, I had no problem with that. Um, but I was like, man, I would love to hear all these guys in one band, like just one band. And so we created a band called uh, it was originally called the Music Row All-Stars, mm -hmm. and it was like a mini big band kind of thing. It started off as just two trumpets, a bone, three saxophones, and rhythm section. Mm -hmm. And then Rob moved to town. And uh, I said, well, Rob, you got to play in this thing. You know, I'll play, you know, I'll do like the solo man gig and be fine. But you should play in this. And then a trombone buddy of mine uh, named Josh Scalf, who's another amazing player, um, he said, listen, we need to get another trombone player in here. We got this guy that just moved to town. And I was like, well, okay. So it just kept expanding. And I was like, okay, we're, we're done with the two trumpets, two trombones, three saxophones, me, and the rhythm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm meeting the trombone player. And it's a guy by the name of Ray Mason, who you might have heard of. Uh, he was a New York cat, but he was on the original Uptown Funk record. He was okay. on the original track. He was the trombone yeah. player on it. Right. And so you're meeting all these people, and you're just kind of like, Huh? Like it hits you in the face, like, wow, we're, you know, these are some serious players. And then you hear them play, and it's like, man, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? Like, this is not going to help, you know, the situation. I'm not going to have anything to say in this situation. Right. Uh, but what I, over the years, what I figured out is that when you get to their level, you know, they want to be around the same level and they want to support everyone that they can, you know, and you want to be, okay as nurturing as you can. And it's the same with the trumpet, you know, players here. Um, you know, Vinny, of course, being the greatest example of that, very nurturing, very loving, wants to help whatever he can with. Um, Steve Patrick, very similar. Uh, another name that a lot of people don't know is Mike Haynes. You know, he is one of the original goats here in town. Uh, fantastic player. Rob, of course, we've been friends for six, uh, 16, 12 years. Yeah. You know, when we first met. So, I mean, there's so many. And then names that um, Emmanuel Etchum, you know, is another fantastic player here. And they just make you step your game up. Yeah. You know, when you're, and those are just trumpet players. I mean, there's a list for every instrument here in town. Yeah. Um, and those guys just make you step your game. They make you play better. And uh, I hope that answered the question right. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, what no, well, it's okay. Yeah. I don't remember what it was either. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. So, 
I just love the fact that this town, you know, you can go literally anywhere and you could, you know, call somebody and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, in Franklin, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm not doing anything. Let's go get a cup of coffee, you know, and you can go catch up and be fine. And it's like that in any town, but you're doing it with a guy that uh, great example, a saxophone player I work with all the time. His name is Mitch Riley. And he is one of the, he's from the Bay area. So that's his style. And it worked perfectly for my, you know, very bull in the China shop kind of approach. Um, but he was on the road with Tiffany back when she first started. Okay. And so, I mean, you talk about, yeah, that's different, you know, and he played with, uh, he didn't play with Tower Power. He played with the rhythm section when the horns were on the road with Huey Lewis. Mm-hmm. So it was the Tower Power rhythm section, Huey Lewis, or it was Tower Power, yeah, rhythm section, Rick Braun on trumpet and Mitch on saxophone. And so you talk about just, a world of just like knowledge, you know, and just you hone into that. And so it's just fantastic. And everybody plays great here. I met, I've met a couple of bad players, but everybody plays good here. So it's yeah. like, you, know, you can call anybody for a gig pretty much. I mean, and so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and it, and it sounds like, um, you know, we're talking about the, the thing about the, the nurturing and stuff like that. It sounds like it, it's a, a supportive environment where it's not like, you know, people are trying to, hoard gigs and stuff yeah. like that you know it's like yeah it, it sounds like that the environment is conducive to you know if, you, if you've got the chops and you've got the the personality you can survive down there yeah and you said the magic words you know chops and personality i've met a lot of great players that i don't think i'd want to be in the room with more than five minutes you know but you meet guys um here most of them have a great personality you know, fun to be around. I can play all night. You know, I can just go. Um, basically, I always say, if we could be in a bus with you, you're a good person to have on the gig. Yeah. You know, because you get on the bus calls and you're going, you know, like I did last week, Fargo, North Dakota, to Syracuse, back to Nashville. Can you imagine being in a bus with somebody that you couldn't stand for that kind of a run? Ah, uh, yeah. It, it's just not, that's not, and not the best thing in the world, but most, and like everybody, we all have our, our guys that we like to be around. Yeah. We, all, we all do, you know, and, uh, you know, luckily here in town, I like to be around a lot of people, you know, because it's amazing, you know, personalities and stuff like that. But if you've got the chops and can play a multitude of styles and you're a great person to be around, you're going to be working. It's just simple. Because I know a lot of guys that have great personalities and can't play very well. Guys that can play circles around people but just don't have a personality, you know. So it's, yeah, I think that's where my luck kind of striked for me. You know, I came in with a very learning mindset, you know, when I came into town. A lot of guys come into town and they, you know, want to kind of play the way they play, which is fine. But these cats that have been here since the 80s and the 90s, they play a certain way, you know, and you got to match that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Being able to lock in. And, and like you were saying about like um, the, the Nashville sound. Um, yeah. It, it's, you know, obviously like, yeah, you, we think about like the LA sound, right. So, you know, it's, it's uh, it, not that not nothing against anybody. Cause you know, some of my best friends live out in LA and play out yeah. in LA, but you know, it's a little more in terms of recording, it's a little more refined, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh it's it's energetic but it's it's got it's got a level of uh you know it's 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 locked in yeah you know? uh new york uh it's hard to describe the new york sound aggressive but, uh, yeah yeah just very that's what i say about nashville the sound of nashville if you took the cleanliness from la and just that tight real in the pocket plan and you took the grease and the aggressiveness from New York and you put it all in one bottle. That's the Nashville sound. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so when you go down to Muck, Vinny got me a session not too long ago down in Muscle Shoals. Okay. And you go and do fame recording. That's got its own sound, man. Like that is exactly that world's colliding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about playing in Nashville is you can go bull in a China shop, but if you, uh, you better be able to articulate it while you're doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah, which which is yeah that plays that plays right into your strengths. Yeah, because, well, yeah, bull in the china shop part. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, yeah, but you know, it, at at such a young age, I mean, you, you're still a young buck, you yeah. know. But uh, twenty eight, twenty eight. Uh, but you you know you have that big brassy ballsy approach to the horn which translates so well particularly in live performances i mean that's that's the stuff that just grabs you uh, you know it, it grabs you grabs you by whatever part of the body it grabs you by and yeah. it, it pulls you in um but you know you also have the you have the ability to finesse i mean i i've, I've heard you know i've heard you play you know just just hanging out and stuff like that i've, I've heard you you know sweeten it up a little bit and then some of the videos that you you'd been doing over the years you know some of the the clips that you had put out and it's like there's a, a level particularly for someone your age there's a level of maturity that you can tap into in your playing uh that that provides that level of the lyrical uh concepts uh you know it's the music you know you're, you're playing a song not just playing a trumpet yeah so uh i think that 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 combination really translates well to to that environment because you know a lot of guys are super super great lyrical players but you know when you need them to step on the gas yeah. th th there's not much left in the tank but and i right. think especially down in nashville that that need to just you know g get into it a little bit like just just really dig into the into the groove and dig into the the uh, the grit the realness of the because you know the music is real you know, yeah. you, you got to have that feel. So, I, well, I think, like you said, I mean, you know, that multifaceted kind of thing. You know, I wanted to be able to play lead, but I also wanted to be a jazz trumpet player. Like, that's really what I wanted to do. Um, you know, when I would hear recordings of Ryan Kaiser and all of these guys that you hear are great, Greg Gisbert, great. Yeah. You know, um, you hear these recordings of them playing lead and they sound great, but I'm more infatuated with their you know, jazz playing. Right. Um, and then m my hero, uh, which I have on my wall every day, uh, Bobby Shue. I mean, that is my, if I, you know, I don't want to replicate Bobby Shue because I want to be my own person. But when I think of the approach of the trumpet, that's the guy I go with. Um, yeah. And so I remember years ago, I got to do something with him. We were doing a show and he, I just picked his brain for three days about how he does all, you know, how, you know, how do you think about this? How do you do this? You know, and just being that multifaceted player, you know, being able to play a nice ballad, you know, and, 
I think from a young age, you know, what I was, I always want to be able to be the guy with, that could play the high notes. But um, as I get older, I'm realizing that that's not the important part. You know, I'm real. you know, the important part is the sound of it. You know, I'm just lucky enough that I learned how to have that sound all the way up the full register of the horn, but, and then equipment plays into everything. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the nerdiest equipment guy you'll ever meet. You know, I'm wanting to tinker and toy with everything. Yeah. You know, so. Well, don't worry. We're going to need to get a chance to talk about that. In the, in oh, the well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you're there for that. I'm always there for that. You've yeah. seen me at the trade shows, man. It doesn't matter. If somebody tells me they got something new on for trumpet, I'm checking it out, man. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I have a credit card waiting. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's what that military stipend goes to. Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, uh, you were you were saying earlier about uh, about our mutual friend, uh, Rob Qualick. Um, yeah. And you know, Rob, Rob is down there with you. And uh, one of the things that you said that that really it's impressive, and it's impressed me about you, you know, since since I met you, um, you know, you could hold your own in any playing situation. Um, but like you were you're talking about Rob moving down to Nashville, and you've already got your gig set up. And you're like, dude, I want you in on this. You know, you you take over, you take over this lead part, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go off and do my thing. It's that, uh, you know, that team player mentality of, you know, like, you know, hey, look, there's here's somebody who's, yeah. And Rob is just, for those of you who don't know, Rob, you just got to check his playing out. Uh, you know, just a phenomenal, phenomenal lead player, particularly, but I mean, just an all around great trumpet player. But, yeah. um. But his power and his sound in the upper register, there are just very few people that can play like that. Uh, but to be able to you know, be willing to say, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll step out of the I'll step out of this limelight and let it shine on you and I can go over and do my thing. Um, it, it seems like there it's it's a rare thing. And it sounds like it's, it's happening in Nashville, but it seems like a rare thing in in the trumpet world to see that kind of, you know, uh willingness to put your ego in check so i mean has that been your experience you know with, with uh, other bands that you know you it, would you say it's more likely that that somebody's willing to to share the limelight or or have you seen a lot of guys that, that just want to you know be be the man be the man yeah um well i've seen it in both ways Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, a lot of the times, you know, they hire you for a very specific thing. Like for me, they would hire me mostly to do like utility, you know, be able to be play a jazz solo, play section, play lead on a couple tunes. Um, you know, with the the Tyler Yeager and the Day Drinkers, which is the band he comes in and he rock plays lead in. You know, I wanted a guy that could play lead all night, you know, and I, I originally had the chair, but I was just like, well, wait a minute. Like, if I've got Rob in town and can make this whole band swing harder than the, you know, harder than anything you've heard in the world, you know, that's what I want to have. 
And I have yeah. no problem. You know, it's not even, you know, you got to think of what's best for everybody in those situations. It's mm-hmm. like if I walk into a session and let's say Rob and Vinny show up, it's a three trumpet thing. Rob, me, I know exactly where my butt's sitting. I'm going right to the third chair and just, and that's always what I love doing is being a support player. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's kind of more of my strength is because I know what those lead players would want, especially Rob. You know, I know what Rob's going to want as a support player. He wants you right on top of, right with him, you know, and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, you know, when you, because Rob is such an aggressive, it's so good and so clean and so aggressive that you have to be on your A game playing second. There's no phoning anything in. Uh, Same with Vinny. They're so good that you have to be able to support them that way. But, um, you know, there are some people that are very, you know, uh, what's the good word for it? They lock in on their gigs. You know, they don't want you to ever, you know, I've, I've met those people and you know, that's cool. Yeah. That's fine. You know, I, I don't, I don't fear about that. I have my own style. I have my own sound. You know, Rob has his own sound, his own style. And you know, we, if you're, I tend to think if you're a smarter person, you want to tap into that and you would want that resource. It's the same with, uh, I mean, any any uh, place in town, New York, L.A., Branson, Missouri, which is a lot of people don't think about, Austin, um, Tuscaloosa, there's all guys everywhere. I, I see that in Nashville, it's not as super like this all the time about gigs, mm-hmm. but it can be. But for the majority, I've seen here in town where guys are just a little bit more, no, 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 come on, you know, let's have you in this thing. I mean, Rob, and, you know, being one of my best friends, that helps out too. I mean, yeah. how many people can say, you know, one of their best friends is one of the greatest lead trumpet players in the world? You know, I mean, it's so when he moved down, I said, yeah, you got a gig right away. And yeah. You got to be playing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and um, you know, you, you know, we've been talking about Rob and, and Vinny and okay. uh, I, it's just come, uh, just become public knowledge that uh, Vinny has put together a, a new musical venture, uh, Vinny and the Hitmen, and it, yeah. it uh, and you're going to be, you and Rob are both going to be part of that. So, mm-hmm. um, what kind of light can you can you shed on on what that's going to look like? Well, that started. I can tell you, Vinny and uh, I were texting one day, and um, he says, "I got an idea for something." And I said, okay. And we said, we're going to do it with nine horns and a rhythm section. And I said, that's the biggest horn section I've ever heard of. For uh, Basically, you're going to take pop tunes, take Top 40, and turn it into just the craziest things you ever heard. You know, we did a – and I did some writing for him. Uh, just this past week, I did a chart for him. And uh, it'll be Vinny, Rob, myself. I'm trying to think of all the guys, make sure I'm saying them right. Uh, Roy Agee. Mm-hmm. On trombone, uh, John Hitchie and Josh Scalf on trombone, bass trombone. And then uh, Tyler Summers, uh, Mitch Riley, and Kevin Gatsky on saxophones. And so it's just like an all-star crew of guys. It's just a bunch of great players. And uh, all of us have the common goal of just being hitting hard. Uh, you know, the name was interesting. Uh I'm pretty sure I came up with the name. Vinny might tell a different story, but I've, I've sent him a text message of names about this long. Because I said, when you look at Vinny and you have that name, we got to play off of that somehow. Yeah. You know, it can't be Vinny and the, you know, 
the soft tones or anything yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, that wouldn't fit our personality at all. And yeah. so, um, yeah, the Hitman, it's a great opportunity for us to stretch out what we're doing. Kind of like, you know, um, imagination-ish kind of thing with Jaltero imagination right. kind of sound, mm-hmm. kind of going for that kind of thing. 75-minute right. show that just blows through. And Vinny would have a better way of explaining it than I would. But it was something to create something new. Yeah. You know, we wanted to do something different, you know, than what we're always doing. You know, a lot of us play September four nights a week. Yeah. Nothing wrong with September. I love it. But we wanted something just a little bit different. Yeah. You know? And so that's how that got started, you know, and uh, we're getting everything lined up for the first show. Uh, we're going to be doing some online recording stuff so that way people can hear us and stuff like that. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, you get a band like that together. It's going to be a lot of firepower, you know, that you can move around with. That's yeah. just, you know, I think Lindsey Miller's playing guitar, who's one of the top go-to guitar players here in town. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, big ass band, but you know, it's got a lot of stars in it. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. It sounds like, it. I mean, I, I'm excited about it because, uh, you know, I, I need to find, find time to get down to Nashville and that would be a, a great thing to add to my itinerary. You know, if you guys you yeah. know, work, around a, work around a gig and, uh, yeah, you come stay here with me. You know, yeah. we'll just, just come stay here. Yeah. I, well, my, my nephew just moved down to Nashville uh, about a year ago. And okay. so it's like between you and, and him and Vinny, Vinny's uh, given me a, an open invitation as well. So uh, you're good for I, a month. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'll tell you what, I'm not staying with Qualic though. I, I, I'm staying away from him, man. <laughs> they got a great, um, uh, Rob lives right in Germantown too. So they got great bars and stuff around that area. And so, yeah, he's well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't drink anything good. You know, he, he's got bad taste in, in, in booze. Well, so. and unfortunately, my first few years, I didn't have very good taste either. So yeah, well. <laughs> I still get jokes on from today. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm one of those people who, who bust your oh, ball about oh, that. Oh, you remember, and I laugh about it. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's another great thing about music, too. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself, you're just taking life too seriously. You know, I, mean, yeah. I see people all the time. They get all upset about, you know, it's somebody joking with them. And it's like, man, you're taking it just too seriously. You're making a great living playing trumpet. You know, that should be as seriously as you need it to be. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's the, the, uh, I've always enjoyed like, you know, with you and Rob and, and, uh, you know, some of the other, other cats that we've hung out with over the years, it's just, you, know, you just get a bunch of guys together and, 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 you know, girls as well, you know, I don't want to yeah. don't, you know, exclude anybody. We're, we're inclusive, but you know, it's just a lot of busting chops and, and just, yeah. just goofing off and just, just being, being stupid basically. But we can do that because there's a mutual respect, you right. know, as, as uh, artists, as people, you know, and, and that's, that's been the coolest thing for me. And that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast is that and I get to meet so many really unique people, you know, talk to some of the greatest players in the world and get to talk to them as human beings. You know, it's, it doesn't, it's not like, you know, you got to kiss anybody's ass, you right. know, and, uh, and the, the, the best players in the world that I've had the opportunity to talk to, they all are acutely aware of where they're not so great. You know, where, where their weak spots, where yeah. weak spots are, you know, uh, you know, their, their goofiness about them. So, uh, you know, it's that humility and, you know, 
that's the only way that something like, you know, the hitman comes together and, and works is because everybody's got to kind of put their, uh, their egos in check and just, you know, say, Hey, look, you know, I'm good, but you know, together we can be super, super great. So let's, let's just, let's have fun. And I'm sure rehearsals have a a really interesting balance of comedy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pushing in comedy. It's like that seriousness, but then also it's like, you know, you gotta you gotta keep it loose a little bit, yeah. you know. So that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, you know, I'll be I I, I chat with Vinny, Vinny every once in a while. So uh, you know, we'll we'll make sure that uh as things come up, if you guys keep me posted, I will make sure I promote the hell out of it myself. Yeah, so. man. We'd love to have you down here just to have fun. Oh, you know what, man, I, I gotta get down there and, and yeah, I've only been in Nashville once and I loved it. So I got to get down there again, man. Get some good food, get some uh, some hot chicken. Oh, yeah, they got that here. We'll take the real hot chicken. There's a hot chicken joint down in Donaldson called Princess Hot Chicken. That's the best you're going to find in town. Yeah. Oh, cool. man, you're talking my language. Talk yeah. my language there, man. Best so, you're going to find. Yeah. So what what else is kind of, you know, been going on with you in, in terms of, of your you know, your, your idea of your career. I mean, you've got all these little side projects and stuff, these things going on. I mean, do, what's the big picture for, for Tyler Yeager? Where do you see yourself like in the next, you know, five, 10 years? Well, you know, uh, for me, I've got a lot of, a lot of projects going on and stuff. And, you know, it's kind of hard to narrow everything down, you know, but for me, yeah, you know, I'm having a great time doing studio stuff, having a great time, you know, uh, I just, past month or so kind of upgraded my home system so that way now when I'm sending a track out you know I'm sending out with really good stuff you know I just got the Barkley uh, microphone Um, you know I use Logic and all that stuff but you know just not only that you know doing the studio stuff but I love touring it's probably one of my favorite things in the world to do Uh, you know you get on the bus you just relax you do what you want to do and you play a gig and you go back on the bus that's it so I'll probably be, you know, touring with somebody, you know, and doing that thing and just working, you know, I, as much as I love touring, I like being in home, at home and relaxing. And, you know, I think for me, within the next five years, my goal is to find the balance in life, right. you know, finding that. Because when I was younger, I just went all the way, you know, I just went a million miles an hour. And when about 26, about two years ago, that's when I could feel it starting to hit, you know, and starting to finally catch up. And so finding a balance to where I can be on the road, be at home with my wife, you know, be at home with the dogs and, you know, still playing, you know, three or four nights a week. You know, I think that's everybody's balance. You know, I'll yeah. go one week where I'll do every day and then the next week is dry. You know, I mean, and so it's like trying to find a balance with everything. It's mostly my goal. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I remember having a conversation with uh, Wayne Bergeron once about um touring and he was saying how he he can't go out on tour uh or made that decision to not go out on tour because he had worked so hard to get into the you know the the studio scene in LA and it's like you know hey you know if I if I go out on tour for six weeks then you know my my gigs my my studio gigs will end up drying up because you know they're they're gonna call somebody else and you know it and it's not like you know there are very few players that can replace a Wayne Bergeron, right. but it's still the the thing of like, if you're not available, they got to go with, with who's available. So you, you start to lose those calls. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so he said, you know, it's a very conscious decision to, to say, you know, I just need, you know, if I'm going to, if this is the work I'm going to do, this is where I need to stay as much as possible. Um, because it sounds like the LA recording scene is, is so busy that, and there's so many trumpet players there that, you know, if you're not there, you're, you're, you know, it's a out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. Yeah. It, is Nashville the same way? I mean, the, or does it give you, does it afford you to be able to go out and to tour and to come back and just knowing that there's always going to be work for you there? No, I, very similar. You know, and there's your guys, there's your set crew of guys that do a lot of the work. Steve, Patrick, um, Jeff Bailey, Preston Bailey, his nephew, um, Mike Haynes. Uh, you know, those are the guys that are doing it every day. You know, they're doing the sessions. And then there are guys like Vinny who do all of the three-man horn sections or the four-man horn sections where you're doing, you know, pop tunes mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, those guys have made their lives around the recording. You know, for me, you know, I have the capability of it. I love doing it. But, uh, you know, that's not really where my passion is at. Yeah. You know, my passion's at playing live, you know, which long term probably for me, it's not the best. But, you know, I love being on the road, yeah. you know, and I love now I do love recording. I mean, because then you go, you think about it, you, you play it one time, you never have to play it again, you know. But um, it's, it's something about, you know, some s studios you go into, they're really relaxed. Everybody's real calm, you know. Hey, we're gonna get these two tracks done, and we're, we're gonna be good. And then there's sometimes, boy, they're in there, and you fart the wrong way, and they're gonna start getting mad at you. And it's just like, dang, man, you know. It's just so. It's little. I mean, it, with everything in life, it's like that. I mean, you're gonna have both sides of everything. But the session stuff here in town, you know, it's not locked up. I mean, I mean, they're gonna have their first calls no matter what. Right. Uh, but you might be able to do both. I know a couple guys that do it, but, uh, you know, you do have to kind of go with, well, do I want to be a recording guy or do I want to be a road guy? Yeah. You know, and so everybody's different. You know, yeah. everybody has their different kind of thing they want to do. Um, and so I, I tend to think, you know, as long as you stick with it and you, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on the road with somebody, then you'll be good. Yeah. You know, that's sounds solid. All right. Well, we've got a couple of sections, segments. I always say section segments that we need to get to. Okay. Uh, and uh, the first one is uh, brought to us by our mutual friend, good friend at Barkley Microphones, Mr. Michael Barkley. And uh, best mics for the money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and this is our sound off segment, and uh, we're going to talk about sound. And you, you, you already touched on this a little bit uh, about your uh, – what the sound that you hear in your head. Uh, but I just want to talk a little bit more about like, you know, what approach do you take to uh, developing concepts of sound and, you know, maybe some advice you could give people who are, who are searching uh, for ways to create the sound that they hear in their head and, and get, get it out the horn. Yeah. Uh, well, number one is listening. You have to be willing to listen, you know, until you, that sound is conceptualized in your head. You know, for, I mean, my, luckily for me as a young man, you know, you're just learning at that point when you're 12, 13, 14, and that's the sound you hear. It's a little bit harder when you get older, but really just sitting there and listening and let that sound, 
And when, when I talk about just listening to the sound, it's not just even that. It's listening to the articulation, listening how he interprets a line, listening to how he phrases a line. When you start listening to all of those things, all of those nuances come into your playing, which eventually turns into a replication of a sound. And then you can make it more authentic by doing it your own way. Uh, so for sound concept, that's what I would first say. Get a favorite recording of whoever, Doc Severson, Maynard, Bill Chase, Jerry Hay, Wayne, any of them, you know, and just listen to what they're doing and how they're doing it. Yeah. 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 I think that's, you know, when you can get to the point where you can identify a player by their sound, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's like I, I can I've listened to so much Jerry Hay and I've listened to, to yep. so much of, of that sort of stuff over the years. It's like as soon as I would hear recordings like, yeah, that, that's Jerry. Yeah. And, you know, and those are the things that uh, it's a good mark for the player, you know, to, to say that their sound is recognizable. But it's also then that good ear training for you and you know, helping to develop your overall concepts. Of course, if I could sound like Jerry Hay, I, you know, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'd be drinking wine. Like I Jerry. would be drinking wine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Except I'm drinking Mountain Dew. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm drinking coffee today, so yeah. uh, it, it's it's too early to 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 tap into the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. not with that attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so our next segment. Uh, this is our, our geared up segment. This is where we're going to talk about gear. Tyler Yeager's favorite uh, is brought is. to us by uh, our good friends at Venture uh, Mouthpieces, where technology, design, and craftsmanship intersect. So let's talk about gear, and by and and with gear, you know. It's not the typical what horn and what mouthpiece you're playing. Yeah. I want to talk about, again, like a concept. You know, what what is it that, that drives you uh, in terms of uh, your search for gear, your never-ending search, because we're all on that never-ending mm -hmm. search. But, you know, what are the things that, um, you know, you look for your instrument and, and your equipment to help you to do, and how do they help you to do those things? Yeah, well, um, you know, when I'm picking a trumpet, I want it to, um, the feel is the most important thing to me because I know that the sound is going to come out of my head. I know that I can get that. So the feel of the trumpet is the most important to me. And I used to play, I've played all kinds of different horns, but, um, you know, when I finally landed on the one that I'm on, you know, I've been on it for over a year, a year and a half or so. And, uh, uh when I, with the gear selection, I want it to feel great, then sound good. And then, you know, obviously every small thing in between that, you know, pitch and all of that stuff, but everything can be dialed in if it feels good. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a guy by the name of Ken Larson that owns Larson Brassworks. And uh, I was playing a horn at the time and he just looked at me and said, you know, well, I could make something similar to that and it'd play easier. And I was always afraid of the word easier or more efficient. You mm -hmm. hear that one all the time or more, uh, I don't know what another word for efficient was the one that always made me just go, like I hated that word uh, because I just want to be able to go when I put the gas to it, I want it to feel like I'm putting some gas in it. Yeah. And so he made me this uh, B flat trumpet and it just took my breath away. It just really, cause I could get that big sound, you know, in the upper register but I could put a separate mouthpiece in and just be able to 
float away, like just, you know, and do everything in between. And so when I, you know, luckily he's been able to walk me through um, kind of how to narrow everything down on the trumpet to pick what you like. I like a bigger front end on a lead pipe mm-hmm. and the resistance to come from the bell taper, as he's told me. And, um, you know, mouthpieces, uh, that is a, whew, that's a tough one. I use two different people. I use Greg Black and Ken Timmons. Mm-hmm. Greg has made almost every one of my mouthpieces that have been recorded on here in town. Uh, just because he's, his craftsmanship is unbelievable. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he is by far the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to hand doing a mouthpiece. And so I've had, I got out of my through four that I take out on the road, he's made, uh, he's made three of them. And then, I've had those copied so that way I don't lose them. And then Kenny, as you know, Kenny real well, you know, he created this backboard thing that was just like unreal. And I was like, wow, this thing can, you can really put some gas to it and really light up. And my equipment is so weird that I never suggest anyone trying stuff that I play on. Yeah. Cause it's just so different than what anybody would normally play on that. It's like, but you know, the generic stuff like the maker or a backboard or something or a trumpet. I'd say, you know, you should try this. But when I'm looking for equipment, I'm looking for the feel, the sound, and then the pitch. You know, normally some people would say the pitch first, then the sound, then the feel. But if it just doesn't feel good to me, I'm just not going to play on it. Yeah. It's just not, it's not in my vocabulary. And so normally if it feels great and it sounds great, the pitch will kind of line up in there. If not, that's why we have first and third saddles, you yeah. know. So, and and auto tune, and auto and melody. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my horn into the shop and get Melodyne permanently installed in it. <laughs> if they could do that, whoo, <laughs> I'd spend some money on that. <laughs> Game over. Game over, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's it's really interesting because uh, you know, in all the conversations I've had with with different players, you know, whether it be you know legit players commercial players uh whatever um there's so many uh different opinions on gear uh you know every you you can get all kind of arguments about you know size and blah 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 blah. but you know the the consistency seemed to be you know it, it it needs to it needs to feel good and you know it just needs to you know, it, it, yeah. needs, it needs it needs to like I think James Morrison put it best that he's like he told he told me that he didn't look for the horn to add anything to his playing. Yeah, you know, he didn't he didn't want it to do. He just he wants it just to to do what it does, but just kind of get out of the way and and yeah. let him do you know let because like you said the sound your sound is going to come out. Yeah, you may pick a new mouthpiece or a new horn, and you're going to sound a little different for the first, you know, three months or three yeah. months. Yeah, and then after that, you're still going to sound like you. So, you know, it's just it's just finding the finding the gear that that is more in sync with you. Yeah, it has that right feel, like the you know, like you're saying, like the resistance where you like the resistance to be, you know, or you know, just just even the the weight of the instrument. You yeah. Know? Yeah, the, the I didn't know how much that played into it until uh, really Greg taught me. I had a mouthpiece made by him, 
and he took a bunch of weight off of it. And I was like, holy cow, man, this thing just lights up like crazy. And he goes, well, yeah, you took off two ounces. And I was like, well, what, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I like that or not. He goes, well, guess what happens when you take off two ounces of weight? And so you think about that in anything, those heavy caps that people talk about. You know, people joke about that stuff all the time, but it's going to do something. Yeah. You know, it might make it better, might make it worse. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it gets back to sound concepts, you know, and, and what's, you know, if, if you're, if you're trying to get that super dark, you know, or, or kind of, you know, if you, if you want to be Chet Baker, then you can get by with something like that. You know, if you want yeah. to be Maynard, that, that's, yeah. 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 I mean, you, maybe you can make it happen, but you're going to have to work like super, super hard. Yeah. The direction to do that. I only know one guy that plays one mouthpiece. That's Rob. He plays one mouthpiece for everything. It's basically a, a five, a cushioned five seat. Mm -hmm. And he can do everything on it, but I'm not blessed with that kind of talent. You know, I'm a kind of guy that I got, I mean, I have my pouch right here. You know, I take that, this on the road with me everywhere I go. Yeah. And that's going to get me through anything. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's 15 years worth of time, pretty much, you know, but I mean, uh, you know, if I want to sound like Chet Baker, I take that mouthpiece out. If I want to be Maynard, if I got to be Maynard, you know, I'm never going to be Maynard, but if I got to have that kicking sound, I put that mouthpiece in. And so, yeah, I think people get a little bit too far into gear because I know I certainly do. Um but I think sometimes it's overlooked as well. You know, I think it can get in your way. Uh, but most of the time, I think it's just, you know, oh, you know, just thought of too much. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's the, it's the end of the chain, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 everything starts here and here, you know, it starts in your head and your heart and uh, you know, then your technique. And I think that's another place that people get kind of caught up and, you know, yes, you need technique. Technique is what allows you to express your ideas. But if you got shitty ideas, great technique is only going to make. Yeah, they gonna make it so good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 still it's still going to be sure. bad. It's still shitty. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the same thing with a horn. You know, it's like you know if if but if everything is working, then you know the horn is kind of the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And. And uh, I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on, we, we start working backwards. Like, well, well, if I get a great horn, then that's going to make me sound better. Well, no, you got to start with your sound concept. Yeah. Right? Fix your sound concept. And then the horn is just going to, it's the amplifier. Yeah. So, you know, so, no, yeah. yeah. So anyway, all right, well, we're going to get into our last segment. And our last segment is brought to us by Robinson's Remedies. It's the Robinson's Remedies rapid fire round. The, uh, stuff that goes all over the place, kind of like your chops at the end of a gig. Oh yeah. That's why we need the Robinson's remedies. Yeah. Get that, that swelling under control. Um, so these are a series of questions, Tyler, that are going to go all across the board and I just need your quickest response to the series. Are you ready? I am. All right. There's a strawberry Rita. If you get this right, uh, here we go. First one. Who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? My dad. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite book? The Inner Game of Tennis. Mm. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, 
I think I saw Titanic two. It came back. I think there was. I think there was a. T- it was either that or I know I've seen Leonard Part Six with Bill Cosby, and that was horrible. Oh, yeah. I mean that was a bad. <laughs> I mean Bill Cosby as a superhero. You think about that one. That's, that yeah. One. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate to admit it, but I have seen it. All yeah. right. Uh, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to be? I wasn't a trumpet player. Um, gosh. Probably work at a distillery. <laughs> oh, boy. <You> know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there goes your paycheck. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, what's your favorite drink? Oh, um, well, I've been really getting into Evan Williams right now. Not uh, the black, but Evan Williams. Uh, 1792 is really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have a white bottle that's really, really nice. The cask strength. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to sip on. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. I just bought a bottle of that the other day. Yeah. Uh, you could have a dinner party and invite any three living people. Any three people in the world could be guests at this dinner party. Who would you invite? Well, I probably would invite um, Barack Obama, number one. Uh, I probably would invite Doc, because that would just be an interesting conversation. And then I would invite a, uh, a singer named Delbert McClinton. Mm. Delbert uh, was a singer, and he just, when I moved to town, to make this short, he helped me basically move my wife well, at, the, at that point, my girlfriend, but he helped me move my wife to Nashville. And so. Awesome. So, yeah, I would invite those three people. All right, cool. Uh, you have three additional chairs at your dinner table, and you can invite any three people from history, any three people that are no longer with us. Uh, I invite my grandfather. Uh, I would invite Martin Luther King. And I'd invite George Washington. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. And let's see. Next question. Lacquer, plated, or raw? Raw. Mm, Tyler likes it raw. All right. Uh, (laughs) What's your favorite quote? Um, Make sure I get it right so that way I had a, when I was in the army, I was young. I had a boss tell me it's not the loudness of your voice but the, uh, the power of your words, mm. you know, he said something like that. He says, you don't have to yell all the time, you know, that's, so, uh, that hit me hard. And so that's always been my motto, you know, that's cool. Yeah. I like that's powerful. All right. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Failure. Yeah. Failure would be my greatest fear. All right. Um, you could be granted one superpower. What would it be? Oh, I'm flying. I want to be able to fly. You know, actually, I'm watching from the 90s, Lois and Clark. Uh huh. And so, every, yeah, for the past month, you know, I've been, God, I'd love to be able to fly. You know, uh, that, that's think a about how many gigs you could do if you could do that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would go for teleportation. Uh, yeah, but I mean. Yeah, because <laughs> flying, you still got to, you know, it's, it's still time. Man. If you could just go and, and you're there. I mean, you, you I could, didn't think about that. Yeah. You could pop back and forth between measures, man. Well, can I change my answer then? Uh, you can change your answer. Yeah, I'd do that then. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Yeah. Very good. All right. Um, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated? 
They're all high notes. Gosh, if I get if I get a message every day, it's about high notes. Yeah. Now if I could just tell people the trumpet ain't about that. Trumpet's about music. Yeah. All right. What aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most underrated? Under time. Uh, when I say time, I mean your feel, your pitch, your sound. You know, I hear guys all the time that come in and they just play as high as they can or whatever. Or they play the fastest jazz league, but it's all out of time. Nobody's got any feel to anything. So I think it's the most underrated thing. Okay. Cool. Um, you could go back in time and give your younger self, which obviously isn't that far to go. You can give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be? Slow down. Okay. You don't have to learn it all at once. All right. And uh, while you're back there, you're going to give your younger self one piece of advice about life. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to make every decision that day. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 We, we, we push through, push the issue. Yeah. All right. Um, final question for you for uh, James Tyler Yeager. What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be that I help people. You know, I wouldn't want anyone to think that I held information into them. You know, I want to be, these guys that have been so nurturing to me, you know, through my career, I want to give that back. I want people to know that, you know, same deal. You know, he nurtured and helped everyone that came his way. You know, so that would be what I my legacy to be. Oh, well, that's a good one to have, man. And yeah. I, I think that if, if more people, regardless of what we did in life, you know, whether you're a trumpet player or a, you know, a, a janitor. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all about uh, helping, helping those who need a hand, you know, and uh, that's at the end of the day, that, that, that's what gives me fuel. So I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really, really happy to hear that uh, I'm not the only, only idiot out there. So now you got me. Don't worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> all right. Well, Tyler, man, it was so great catching up with you and uh, you know, it, you've got such a promising career ahead of you. And it, I think the great thing and the thing I love about you is, you know, you, you, you definitely have the talent, but you also have that mindset, you know, that uh, you're, you're driven in the, in the sense that you want to push yourself forward. You want to do more, you demand more of yourself, but also have that, that level of humility and, and uh, you know, the, the humanness that, yeah. that will keep you, keep you around for a while so yeah well like you say you know i mean we're we're all human we're all going to make mistakes you know we, we don't need to dog our mistakes every time it happens yeah, like, yeah. it's just going to happen yeah so. it's just what, what do you learn from it yeah what do you learn you know so yeah. good lord i know i've made enough mistakes in 28 years so i mean yeah, well, you know, you're 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 wise because you're getting them out of the way now. You know, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're, you're your sixties, start making all your mistakes. So. Uh, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks thanks for hanging with me, man. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, make sure you uh, keep in touch with Tyler. Follow him uh, on his social media accounts, and certainly keep an eye out for what's going on with uh, Vinny and the Hitman. Uh, you know, that three of the the, the most phenomenal trumpet players you're going to catch uh, individually they're they're phenomenal but i'm sure that that the three of them together is just going to be 
completely mind blowing. So uh, yeah. stay tuned for for more from Vinny and the Hitman. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to get uh, get the Vinny and the Hitman section together. Uh, the three of you on one one hang, and that's uh, dangerous. <laughs> that, I think that's going to be the live one. I'm going to have to come yeah. down to Nashville and do that one live. We'll, we'll do it. Do it from Vinny's poolside. Oh yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the dogs running in the background too. Yeah, that's all good. All good. Yeah. I love you, big dog man. All, all right. right. Well, thanks again, Tyler, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the Hang. Make sure that you like, subscribe, share. Uh, and do all of that wonderful stuff to uh, keep the hang going. And until next time, peace and slide grease. We out.